You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons podcast. Visit mashthosebuttons.com for a full podcast schedule. Guardian. Guardian. Hello and welcome to episode 50 of In Orbit, Mash Those Buttons podcast dedicated to Destiny and its community. Wherever you are and whenever you're listening, we thank you as always for making this a part of your weekly Destiny experience. My name is Jorge. And my name is David. And I'm Jordan. Make sure to check out all the other podcasts available here on the Mash Those Buttons network at www.mashthosebuttons.com. Get involved with us and send us some questions at inorbitpodcast at gmail.com. I know for a fact Mike Perry had a gigantic episode of Sit Rep Radio recently, and they had some great guests and great conversation with regards to the status of the division and what it means for the future of the game. So make sure that you guys check that episode out. On today's show, we're going to be going over the past two weeks We finally have everybody in here, in-house. We're going to be talking about the patrols, social spaces, endgame, and the story. Tying that all up a little bit quick. We're going to go over PvP, our thoughts on the current and the future, what we want to see in Destiny 2, and what we kind of want to see right now. We're going to go over the Destiny ESL rules and what that means for the future of competitive gaming with regards to Destiny. Next week, by the time you guys hear that, from January 17th to the 23rd, Iron Banner returns, it's Clash, and the rewards that you'll be fighting for will be sidearms and rockets. But, is it going to be a popular Iron Banner? We'll go ahead and discuss that on this show. So guys, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Let's go ahead and go over the past two weeks where we had great, great, great conversation here, where we were talking about the patrols, social spaces, endgame, and story. David, I know you weren't here last week. But go ahead and give your thoughts on the end game and the social spaces, what you want to see with regards to those two things. All right. Well, uh, first off, I just want to say, woohoo, 50 episodes. Yay. Anyway, um, so going kind of like a, a quick look at my thoughts on them, I think end game is in an okay spot, but uh, we've talked about it pretty consistently on the show. And I think end game needs kind of more in-game status i guess it needs something to come from it that's super special like the vault of glass weapons in year one were in-game rewards that everybody wanted everybody knew it came from in-game and in a way i want those in-game rewards to be better than rewards from everywhere else um i know that people may be like oh like i can't get a raid team together like that's not fair that people get better weapons well I think it should be. I think there that by doing the end game things, the things that Bungie develops to be the hardest activities, I think you should be rewarded the most. And that could reward you with the best guns in the game. I'm okay with that. Um, I also think 
I've said it before, um, that light level or power level, however they decide to do it in Destiny 2, should be higher from endgame activity. In general, right now, there's there's kind of a, a lack of what endgame really is because uh, the highest level light gear comes from everything like under under the game essentially you get it from crucible you get it from strikes you get it from nightfall you get it from raids you get it from everything and when it used to be you just get the highest power stuff from uh raids and iron banner and then nightfall i liked that because that showed this is the end game this is the hardest content this is the stuff where you go to get the highest rewards and i feel like if we went back to something that style in destiny 2 I, I mean, I'd be happy. I know some people wouldn't be. I know some people say, oh, like we shouldn't force people to play the game a certain way. And that's not what I'm trying to do. I think anybody should still be able to do any content they want. I just think there should be an extra incentive to play that in-game content because it is supposed to be the hardest stuff in the game. With regards to social spaces, um, obviously, I want it to be more involved. Um I think that uh, there's been some leaks talking about it, but I think that or hope that they're going to more kind of an open world combination with the social spaces, something more like a, a, a common MMO would have where you essentially go into a village uh, from the patrol area, per se. Um, that way, uh, social spaces kind of feel more involved in the game. They don't feel like separate things completely. There'd still be vendors there. There'd still be your vault per se if they decide to do it like that. But it just kind of has a more in-game involved feel. Uh, I also think that if they keep social spaces the way they have it, which I wouldn't be too disappointed if they did, um, they need to make better use of the social space area. There's a bunch of empty spaces in the tower and the reef kind of seems like a wasted spot. And half the time, uh, fell winter's peak is a wasted spot. They need to put things in each areas to kind of make that tower feel exciting as a whole, put little mini games in areas, put LFG boards in areas, put, um, vendors that actually do stuff, vendors that change their stuff every day, vendors that change their stuff every week, um, just different stuff for you to do in social spaces to make them more social, more involved, maybe have uh, more ways of chatting with people or joining groups with people, have a clan board that you can post on on social spaces. Just They need to just involve social spaces more, make them more social per se. Yeah, so that's kind of my quick thoughts on what I think needs to come for in-game and social spaces. So yeah, David, that's a lot of the same thoughts I had with regards to the game. Um, what about you, Jordan? Anything you want to throw in with regards to the game and what you want to see? Uh, any conversation you wanted to tie up with regards to the past two weeks? I know we went through a lot. Oh, yeah. Um I I think we covered everything uh, in the episode that I recorded uh, pretty well. Um, I wanted to add to what David just said, social spaces. Uh, that's really something that I've been uh, taking a liking to and thinking a lot about. And I've also been reading a lot of, uh, into the lore, like rereading for my own edification since it's been a while. I never really read the lore from start to finish. And obviously for anyone that's been been doing that or has done that there is a lot a lot of awesome stuff in the grimoire and uh there's there's a lot in specific outside of the last city 
that has happened. Uh, you, you think of the story behind uh, Dredge and Yor and Jaren Ward, the last word Thorn uh, lore story. Um, there's tidbits in that story that point to very interesting uh, events and such that have happened outside the city walls. And by opening up the social spaces and making them uh, a part of the open world in-game environment, as uh, you can add these outside the city spaces into the game more easily uh, and more seamlessly. I really, I'd be really excited if they do that. Um, maybe not at the start of Destiny Two, but um, it would give that potential. Uh, maybe have like like roads and such and you know gateways through uh the the wall that allow you to exit and that you unlock through maybe they have them in dlcs or maybe you unlock them through quests and you have outside the city vendors maybe uh yeah like guardians that aren't under the control or influence of the vanguard are stationed out there and maybe those are new factions you could explore it'd be cool how cool would that be to have the ability to go outside the city limits go outside the faction oh excuse me go outside the vanguard control and join factions uh outside of that that you know that that are fringe it, i think that'd just be awesome you know it, it would add sort of an edge to the game that's you know that's not really there right now mostly because we've done the same thing over and over again and for some people it may be a little boring and repetitive but um yeah i just i, I find that the possibilities could be almost endless with the amount of detail that they have in the grime war that they haven't explored in the game so yeah those are some of my expanded thoughts on the social space well one thing i wanted to chime in because you actually made me think about it and um I had meant to mention this, but I totally forgot when I was talking about social spaces is I feel like social spaces are a really good space for them to actually involve the grimoire in the game. And I know they can't necessarily give us all those stories in flashbacks or cutscenes because it, it'd take a lot of development that they probably just don't have the time and money to do that. But I think it'd be an awesome idea to throw, say, a library into the tower, maybe up where the speaker is, how he's got all those books. And when you go to this library, <laughs> you can in-game access the grimoire that you've earned. So, yeah, you still have to read the grimoire cards, but now they're actually in the game for you to read, which is something that I think everybody who at least cares in the slightest bit about grimoire wants. Yeah. yeah, that was something I discussed a couple of months ago um, with regards to the game. I don't know if you remember, David, but where I was talking about a lore master, uh, some sort of library, as you mentioned, a, a section of the tower. I mean, you can even use the upper section of the tower now. This is just going by what we have right now. Obviously, we're going to have completely different social spaces in Destiny 2, but some sort of location in the tower where you can go and learn about what activity you just did. For example, um, whenever you get a new ghost, you can learn about what that that's about. Have it so that it's organized. Cause one of the things that about the grimoire that's always been problematic is it's a little clunky stories go off in dif different directions and you kind of have to piece the story together. Thank God there are sites that kind of go through what, you're reading. I know uh, you, Jordan, you were talking about uh, you were going on a different uh, Grimoire site to 
view the story and, and kind of get in depth in what, what is going on in game. Oh yeah. And There's it's a destiny Grimoire. I, I think it's dot info actually. And it lists the Grimoire cards in order. So you can read them all organizes them uh, like all the human cards, all the exo cards will, will be in order um, from the beginning to the end. It has everything up to the rise of iron. So it's really easy and it's really nice to read them like that. Right. I, I mean, I, for one, I would love to see, there's two things I've always said that I wanted to see with regards to the grammar. I want to see it organized so that you can actually go from card to card, learning about the story or the situation that's going on. Because sometimes you get part of a story in, let's say, Ghost 2, and then the other part of the story is in Vex 5. So, like, it, it's kind of split up, and, and sometimes it's not an elegant thing to go through and kind of see exactly what's going on. It can be a little hard and a little cumbersome to get some sort of story for the game that you're playing, which is kind of weird. It, it kind of defeats the purpose of the grammar, in my opinion. But... I, I just think that they also need to involve those cutscenes. Just like I mentioned, it doesn't have to be a full-on actual cutscene. Uh, like I keep saying, an image, like from, for example, in Soul Calibur, an image where there's text on the bottom. As long as you, you, you can hear some sort of conversation going on, that actually does a lot more. And it, it, it's cheaper to do that than having a fully fledged, fully fleshed out cutscene. I just want to see more story in the game and any way that we can get it is really, really cool. In my opinion. So, well, if, yeah, I had the want, same. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, you first, David. Uh, I was just going to say, if you want to talk about uh, like cheaper ways for them to do it, there are ample community members with great, great radio style voices who would love to just read grimoire cards for Bungie that they could then put into the game. Mm -hmm. I want to hear Tefty Teft do it. No. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> tap to tap would be good. Black Link's good. Yeah, Black Link has a really good voice for that. Uh, I mean, Sir Wallen already has done the Grimoire readings. Mm -hmm. Whether or not he has the voice for it is debatable, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 actually already out there for Destiny One. You know, I had a similar idea that you guys are mentioning. You know, you could unlock the Grimoire, and then you have a central hub where you go back and you can read or play the grimoire as you unlock it but uh, in order to do that and have it have it work well it, it would have to be in order so you'd have to be playing the the campaign in order and doing the story in order and then unlocking it as you go along and then you go back to like you know you said a library or something uh to that effect and you just read the grimoire you could have a voice actor reading the grimoire have it in front of you instead of a cutscene. you just have some images like you do on the card i think it'd be cool um, maybe some images flash on the screen like a slideshow while it's being read to you. And it's like a little you know, flash movie. One thing I did want to bring up that I did want to see more in the game, and this is taking a cue out of games such as Mass Effect and even ESO, um, for those that don't know what the, that stands for, Elder Scrolls Online. Um, I want them to, to involve other races. It's cool that we have the Exo, the Awoken, and the uh, the Human. I can't believe I forgot the Human. I'm sorry. So it's cool that we have the Exo, Human, and Awoken. But I kind of want to see them bring other classes or other um, races into the game. Um, 
that's one of the things that's always struck me is that Destiny is a is a game about our solar system, our universe. We're dealing with forces that came from other galaxies that came towards us. And we we've we've read about these different um forces, for example, the hive. We know that the hive aren't the only bad guys out there. There's other bad guys. And by that same nature, there's other good guys or other people who could be allies. It doesn't make sense that the only three people who are standing up or the only three races that are standing up to the darkness are Exos, humans, and Awoken. It would be cool if they brought in Fallen or Elixni, where they, they, let's say the Elixni that had their own ghosts or their own version of ghosts, because they... They too were the original pe- uh, group of people that were touched by the traveler. They, it would make sense that there would be a version of a guardian that is Elixni, that has that same power, that may have done what Dead Orbit didn't settle across the stars. That yeah. they are not involved with their own houses. I, I completely agree with you. And um, if you look into the Grimoire, there's been tons of planets, if not hundreds of planets, that the traveler has stopped at and blessed. A civilization with power um especially you you get that in oh shoot what uh the book of sorrows when mm-hmm. uh, oryx is chasing the traveler you see all these planets that it's gone to and i think bungie has kind of been stuck with destiny destiny one in this um th- set of threes because you have three playable characters so they give you three different classes three different races so essentially you can play one of each when i think they underestimate what what they could get from the community if they even didn't limit it at three characters. Um, but even if they did gave you eight races and eight different types of classes you can play, I know it'd be a lot more development for them and a lot harder. But if you look at other games of essentially the MMO style, like wow, or all the Bethesda games of any kind and uh, all these different games there's so many I, i'm not even going to list them all but they all have way more races and types of classes for you to play than what you actually play it's just people choose to play the types they want to play and i know it it can get harder on bungie because then they have to um develop all the different abilities for all these different classes and it it brings balancing issues and stuff but if they're willing to do that, especially a few years down the line, even if it's Destiny 4 where they bring in, say, eight classes, I think that'd be awesome for the game because not only does it bring um, enrichment to the game through customization and diversity, but it, it really just drives home what you're saying, that this is a game based in a universe where there have been all these different races touched by this story that we are a part of. Mm-hmm. I mean, I... I love the Elixni. Um, and again, the Fallen, the real name is Elixni. I love what they, how they can be applied as a metaphor to humans and a metaphor to what Earth was. And they don't want, the humans don't want to go through that. And, and they, they're trying so hard and they're, you can see it. They're clinging so desperately to this dead god in the sky. That is, per the Grim Grimoire, there because Rasputin said, if you go any further, I'm going to blast you to bits. So, 
it, it, it's a perfect metaphor, the entire Elixni race, for what the humans could go through and what they are risking themselves to, by, by kind of fighting for the light. So it's a, it's a very, very interesting concept, the whole Elixni, and to see a guardian Elixni, I think would add character to that race, which is, I mean, it, they've always been an interesting character, the Elixni. They've been the most developed character, them and the, and the, um, the Hive. But I've never struck, I've never felt any sort of real threat in game. With regards to the Elixni, in the store, in the actual story for the Grimoire, I mean, for example, the the force of the House of Wolves that was going to go to Twilight Gap before they were stopped was a force of one million, and then uh, one million fallen going towards humanity would have wiped them all out. And to know that Marasov used that psionic power that she had that was able to be bounced back and reflected off the dreadnought and she used that psionic power to take half of the entire house of wolves out is amazing but you don't ever feel that there's that many elixni or fallen out there you're always fighting them in groups of three there's there's three here there's three here only when you're in the raid do you ever feel that oh there's a or when you're doing the galahorn mission do you ever feel that oh you know there's a lot of fallen here there's a lot of elixni like we're surrounded and they've never felt like a fully fleshed out race that, and I kind of want them to ex explore that in game. Um, yeah, I just, I really, they fascinate me and there's so much potential because they mesh so well with humanity. And we're already seeing examples with, with for example, Varix, the character of Varix, if, if we have Varix, who is who basically is the reason why the Queen took complete control of the House of Wolves. If it wasn't for Varix, there would be no Queen with the Fallen. Like she, he's the one that convinced the Elixni. She took out the Kel. By our rules, she is the Kel. She is the strongest. She is the one who took out our leader. We should bend the knee to her. So it was because of Varix, like kind of twisting what just happened to her favor that the that the House of Wolves originally aligned themselves with the Awoken in the Reef. So there's so much there. There's so much more, and we already know that there's the Jovians, um, whatever they represent. Um, there's rumors that they are part of the darkness. That they're another set of worms kind of like what happened with with oryx so there's just so much that that needs to be explored and there's so many different races and i want to see the tower inhabited by these races it would be cool to see i know this is going to sound really nerdy but it, it almost reminds me of the cantina scene from star wars where there's like you're looking around everybody looks completely different and to get that in a video game in destiny and to know that you're going into battle with these characters who are and look completely different, have their own stories, have all these different things that happen in their lives. They were touched by different enemies, by Oryx or whatever. And they're joining humanity to help push back the darkness because they see that the humans, the Exos, and the Awoken 
had success against the darkness and now they want to like align themselves to push back this darkness and bring back their people to a golden a new golden age i think that would be so cool and i just want to see that in game and i want to see more of it yeah so, i think oh sorry <laughs> go ahead i'm sorry no i was just gonna uh you know agree and just you know state that it makes sense to have additional races and such uh that that could pop up to help us we've had a you know, plenty of them pop up to fight us. You know, if the traveler's gone across the universe uh, or multiple universes, possibly, and um, you know, helped out all these other races and species, you would think that some of them became advanced enough to chase the traveler down after it left, um, mm-hmm. in hopes of bringing it back or saving it or fighting the darkness as well. You know, it would make sense that they would come in contact with us now since the traveler is on Earth. And you know, that would bring them in the game. Uh, and like you said, there's 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 uh, references to they're very light references, but there's references nonetheless to some of these other races and planets. Um, and God knows we've in, in regards to um, uh, a possible fallen or elixir guardian, we've killed enough of them, so we know there's plenty of dead ones lying around. Um, who's to say that a ghost couldn't come across one and make a guardian out of it? Because for the most part, you 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 have your memories wiped when you become a guardian. So, you know, it's a it's just a body. It'd be pretty cool to see that in the game. Yeah. With uh, so with that, let's go ahead and move on to the next topic, where we talk about PvP. Um, and before we go into what we think about the current and the future, we've obviously touched on a lot of PvP on the show. So the one thing I kind of want to talk about first before we go into our thoughts of PvP is the Destiny ESL rules. So a lot of the community kind of looked at these rules and were saying, hmm, they look kind of familiar. Well, a lot of these rules were actually developed online through many different facets and over time since year one. And these are the quote unquote sweaty rules. And uh ESL actually confirmed that yes, these are rules that were developed online and they just work best, um, that they make sense. So the rules are as follows. It's a four on four single elimination mode. Uh best of three, and then the finals it's best of five. So the big rules are that you cannot have a, a guardian on your team with a duplicate subclass. So for example, there will be only one Sunsinger Warlock. One golden gun, one titan uh, with with striker or or sunbreaker. So you're not gonna you're not gonna see these pl- proliferation of teams that have all four sun uh, sun singers, and you're just like, oh god, because that 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 would just be ridiculous. Um, there's no exotic armor, so no quick res, no double grenades. The use of heavy ammo is not allowed, so put that uh, rocket launcher away. Class-specific weapons are not allowed. Now, this one kind of struck me as weird. Um, There's only six in the game that are class-specific. They are Tlaloc, Ace of Spades, and Fabian Strategy. And outside of Tlaloc, the other two aren't really known for... There's overuse in PvP. Tlaloc is very lethal in very certain circumstances. But the second you have your super, it's a a ridiculously powerful weapon. 
Um, and then you have the three legendaries. You have Steel Piercer, you have Susano, and you have Amobius. None of the three are exceedingly powerful. They're decent for their for their style of or their their gun type, I should say. So that one struck me as a little weird, but I understand the main culprit was Tlaloc, and I understand why they they shut that down. Uh, intentional suiciding is not allowed, and your character's total armor value may not exceed seven. There is a specific calculator that you would use to determine what your armor value is. And then they side ban note, certain side note on yes, that. Go ahead. That means that your total health will not exceed 200. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, the big thing is to not have overpowering health so that they, they kind of nerfed juggernauts in, the, in that way so that you can't tank grenade after grenade after grenade and then run to somebody and shotgun them. Um, they nerf or they remove, they banned the Blade Dancer perk backstab. That's always been. No matter what, it's it's always been the weirdest perk in the game because you could just jump and stab somebody in the face and it activates backstab. It's it's always been just re- remarkably inconsistent, and I understand why they nerfed or they removed that. I should say all of Rise of Iron artifacts, with the exception of Memory of Yolder, which is the one where you get removes the cooldown perk with regards to running. You can't use any other. Um, artifacts, so I didn't here's the thing, like, those Rise of Iron artifacts, when when we first heard about them and you guys can, I'll let you guys give your opinions on that but none of them really struck out as me as overpowered when we actually got our hands on them they were, like, you I, I, I can see certain artifacts being used more than others for example, I, I use the Third Eye artifact non-stop in PvP, but none of them really stood out as being overpowered. Is it just me, or? No, uh, I sort of feel the same way. I used that one, and I used uh, Jolder the, uh, to eliminate the sprint cooldown. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, but I don't really feel it's OP, or um, any of them are OP. I think the reason they're doing it is to not give essentially additional perks to um, people uh mm-hmm. i would say scories is op in a way if you play in a certain play style and in certain game modes it is and it can be essentially game breaking so that one i understand um the others i'll fin- i'll give my input on everything because i kind of have the a, a base input on all rules that go together after you finish reading okay uh year one shotguns with the perks crowd control or knee pads uh Basically, they were really, really powerful. Crowd control is a very, very strong perk on a shotgun. It basically doubles the range when you have that perk active. So they took that out because there's a high chance of just, just it, it just insane ranges. It's just ridiculous. Um, following weapons were remove, Hawk Moon, No Land Beyond, Universal Remote, Invective, Icebreaker, and Queensbreaker Bow. So we'll go th- over each one of them. Hawkmoon is a victim of the the banned list perk Luck in the Chamber. It's the ultimate Luck in the Chamber gun. It has three Luck in the Chamber bullets, and they can actually stack. 
No Land Beyond and Universal Remote are primary special weapons. So in order to prevent the proliferation of special weapons, they had to remove those two so that you cannot abuse the ammo, which is what happens with those weapons a lot of the time. Invective and Icebreaker regen ammo. So it completely negates the need for those ammo boxes. That's really, really dangerous, and it gives them a little bit too much power um, in certain game styles. And then Queensbreaker Bow. Problem with Queensbreaker Bow is that it has the highest aim assist for a sniper. Yes, I know it's a fusion rifle, technically, but it's a sniper. It, it behaves like a sniper, just in a different format. And in addition to the insane aim assist, it has ridiculous reserves for ammo. So it, it was just a really, really powerful weapon in the right hand. So they took those out. So beyond that, the only other things that are that we really need to discuss with regards to the rules is that there's three game types. Supremacy. I don't think elimination's in there, or it may be. Um, it's, it's not. It's, it's supremacy, zone control. Zone control. And skirmish, I believe? Yes. No. No, not skirmish, because it's 4v4. You could do skirmish with 4v4 in private matches. That's clash. It's it, it, You're right, it is clash. Come on. Get no, with but you it. Can actually, but you can do a 4v4 uh, uh, skirmish. skirmish. Can you really? Yep, in, in private matches. Huh. Shows how much I've used private matches. Right. So it, it's clash... Uh, supremacy and zone control, which zone control kind of intrigued me, but I understand why they trying to they they're going for the objectives. Pure objective. I'm really gameplay. surprised that they didn't go with rift because it seems like something that would have, I don't know, fit the style that that they were kind of going for. But hey, it is what it is. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on the rules? Well. Um, if I had been picking game modes, I agree with you. I would have gone, I would have gone rift supremacy zone control. Um, I don't, I just don't think straight up TDM game modes are that exciting, uh, for, um, competitive gameplay, but I understand why they went with it. It's got the revives in it, which is a pretty important thing. And it, it can be good for like team rotations and stuff so i understand it and these are kind of the accepted rules of the community right now overall um i'm okay with the rule set because it's what the community's agreed on and they've been playing with it they've tested it out people enjoy playing with these rules so because of that i'm okay with it however i have a big problem with any competitive game or game that calls itself competitive that takes out parts of the game. My reason behind this is, if you're going to have the best competitive gaming experience and the best interaction with the fans, then you need that competitive game to be as close to the game that every single person is playing is. That's why games like Overwatch and um, League of Legends have such good competitive style followings because you're playing exactly what is played competitively. And that's why when you look at um, esports games like Call of Duty, Call of Duty had this movement where they started to take things out of the game and then people kind of stopped watching or stopped wanting to watch. So then they 
they put the things back like um killstreaks were the big component in call of duty they got rid of them for i think it was two years and then people were really wanted them back so they brought back killstreaks and the amount of things they've taken out of the game um to me is troubling because it it basically says two things it says one destiny as it's as a game is not a competitive game so we have to change it and two it says that either things are so overpowered and annoying that we don't that like they break the game or we just don't want to deal with them, which is essentially the same argument as one, but in a different manner. And I just feel like, yes, if you give a competitive player these things that are considered overpowered, they'll be able to abuse them even more. But since they're part of the game, I think that should be allowed. I know that um, if, say, you allow backstab in then one person on each team can run a blade dance and you have a person running around who can one shot melee you but then you could have a striker running around with shoulder charge which is essentially the same thing it's just a little more situational i i am a big advocate of keep everything in the game um the one thing i would understand maybe is taking out luck in the chamber just because it is rng but let's face it destiny is a big rng game so i think then it would make sense to leave it in the game. And the the biggest thing I have a gripe with is the total armor value. I understand they, that they want people to have a set health amount that is the same for everybody, but that kind of takes out the whole running a Titan that can tank versus a Hunter that can be agile. And you're essentially making those two classes the same, but they're not. One is supposed to be more tanky and the other is supposed to be more agile, which again leads me back to they're changing the game and this competitive game that we're going to be watching isn't really destiny. I mean, I, I, I agree. And I'm just, it, the, the thing is you are right. The, the main reason that they are removing the rule, the rules is because they are so, powerful they're they're really really powerful to the point where certain perks just completely there's you you can see that there's no way around not having those perks for example if you have the hawk moon archetype of gun you almost want for pvp the following perks range finder rifled barrel luck in the chamber why because those types of guns if the luck in the chamber procs is a two shot kill and that's and what they're trying to do with regards to the game is slow down the time to kill to i want to say the mita range of what is it one second mita is 0.8 seconds mita is still seconds. the fastest time to kill if you hit all four shots to the head right so it just with regards to getting the luck in the chamber though like that I'm almost positive it's faster than 0.8 seconds. It's a remarkably powerful perk that it's not always going to be a two-shot kill, so it's balanced in in some way with regards to that. But it's just ridiculous when sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you win gun battles because of that perk procking. Sometimes you don't. So... I don't know. I'm I I I I can appreciate the rules, but the rules exist more 
as an indictment of the game. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. The game, the way it exists, is so entertaining because of some of these perks or some of these rules. And I can appreciate that, even though it drives me crazy. But I can see in a game mode like this, the, the, the big types of guns that are going to be really, really prevalent and become more powerful because you remove certain guns from the game. Clever Dragon, Clever Dragon, is just going to be absolutely ridiculously powerful. And there's, I mean, the fact that Clever Dragon outguns Maida is ridiculous. On the sa at the same range. It's, it's absolutely powerful beyond all belief. And again, like I've been telling people, I don't think it needs to be nerfed with regards to damage. I think that it needs to have its range reduced. It's, it's range reduced and make it so that the perks aren't procking at a specific range. Just because high caliber rounds and those fastest firing pulse rifles is just way too much. It, it's become obliteratingly powerful it, at any range. It's just really, 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 really strong. So yeah, that's you know, just like my thoughts. when you get hit by those dang pulse rifles, you know what it's like? It's like those, it's like those funny movies where some guy's getting shot and he just like, like he just like shakes and throws his arms up in the air as he's getting shot. It's like really comical and funny and it doesn't look realistic at all. That's what it feels like when you're getting shot by a clever dragon and such. I just thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I think in general though, um, this was a, this is a point that I've been meaning to make and has just haven't brought up yet. Um, part of this also stems from the fact that there's no separation from PVE to PVP. So you end mm -hmm. up with these perks that are very useful for things like PVE. And we wouldn't want to see be removed for PVE, but then are essentially game breaking in PVP. And I mean, I think there needs to be a bigger separation between PVE and PVP things perhaps pvp specific guns and pve specific guns or pve specific perks and pvp specific perks but in general there's just the if you're gonna have destiny be competitive i want to see destiny be competitive not a shell of a game that they think is destiny but you're only seeing half of it because then if you if you're a first-time person tuning into an mlg stream and you see this game going on it's not going to be as exciting as if you saw all like a, a real destiny game going on you're going to be seeing half of the game and that's not only bad for new people coming in to want to play the game but it's just bad for destiny's image as a whole i mean i don't know it's just imagine being someone who's never played it before you watch this uh, competitive stream you think you know how the game is then you hop in and you're getting backstabbed by blade dancer and running against snow and beyond and hawk moon and you may have looked these things up and know what they are but you may not have and you'll just never think that's what it is even taking heavy ammo out i understand why they took heavy ammo out but imagine someone who's never seen that hopping into a crucible game and then they get blown up by a rocket like <laughs> in, in a way heavy ammo should be in it because Yes, it can give control to a to a team that is essentially unbreakable for a small period of time from the other team, but that also just creates another dynamic to the game that you have to fight to control the heavy ammo crate. 
I'm sorry. I'm I'm just thinking of somebody who's the very first time in Crucible they jump into the match right in the middle of the match and, the, and then they just like explode. Get blown away. <laughs> Gee golly. Like, what? What? Gee golly willikers. This is fun. <laughs> Kaboom. Yeah. And then my my other thing um, is I don't think they should have outlawed any exotic weapons or exotic armor. Like exotic is a trademark of this game. Yeah, it gives people essentially better perks than other people, but then use the armor they're using. Like, why not allow some Twilight Garrisons in or some Dune Marchers? It creates for for more fun, better movement. Um, allowing the guns like No Land Beyond and Universe Remote, yeah, it could be game breaking, but you're kind of putting yourself at a disadvantage by using one of those as your primary, especially against, excuse me, professional players. It's just. Huh. It bugs how many, me how much how many noobs out. are going to be entering these contests anyway. I'm agreeing with what you're saying, by the way. There's no reason to limit this, um, take out exotics and such, because I'm going to assume that the people that are signing up for these tournaments, they have all of the exotics. They have everything at their disposal within reason. So what's the point of limiting them from using that if the other players have the same thing? They're They're on the same playing field it's a level playing field so just let it let it fly let it be destiny right. i i agree with everything you're saying yeah and i mean the the other thing could be as we get more custom matches maybe they need to implement a way where there's say three default gun or four default because we had what hand cannon scout rifle auto rifle pulse rifle say you just have those four default classes you have to choose from and those are what gets used in competitive gameplay in a custom game i'd be okay with that then it'd suck once again for the same reason it's not destiny that you're watching but that's one way it puts it on a level playing field it's just i don't know i think they either need to choose to make destiny competitive or not and if you're going to make it competitive let it be destiny yeah what about this thought um by doing what they're doing um yeah, it, it, does it? Are, are they are they limiting the gameplay? Are they taking out the exotics? Doing doing things by sweats rules, maybe so that players that haven't been longtime Destiny players can come in and be competitive more easily. Are they trying to open the playing field up to? I wouldn't say non Destiny players, but you know, people that don't play Destiny twenty four seven. Uh, I don't, I don't really think so. And the main reason behind that is if you don't play destiny 24 seven, and then you verse someone who does, you will lose. And it's simply because destiny is unlike any other game. And if you're not keeping, like if, if you're not practicing, I, I say practicing very seriously, at least three times a week, you're not going to be able to keep up with the people who are because destiny is very much about being the fastest moving fastest shooting player and that's something you have to practice at if you don't do it for a week you'll lose some skill and people who don't play destiny that much while they may be good gamers aren't going to be competing with the top top tier gamers until they're playing destiny a lot okay fair enough yeah i mean i agree with a lot that you said um but at the same time because of because the the community sees all these different, dare I say, game breaking perks and weapons and armor, it, it 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 I don't know if you remember many many months back when we were talking about what I would 
what you what we wanted with regards to Iron Banner, where I was proposing a new game mode where you would only use Iron Banner weapons, that you could only use Iron Banner weapons and armor, and that based on your play style, that whatever you chose, like let's say you chose to have a hand cannon, it would be only the Iron Banner hand cannon. Uh, if you wanted a sniper rifle, it would only be the Iron Banner sniper rifle, same thing for rocket, whatever. And then you would go in and load up into your match, and, and with regards to the Iron Banner event, you would only be using those guns where you would earn those weapon or a armor piece and a weapon by complete competing and get let's say get getting to level five. You unlock the ability to keep one of the armor pieces, and that's how you would get your gear. Um, and I just think that maybe they need to go and think about a mode like that where it is bas basically weapons and armor that are specific to that mode that those like no matter what you have on it gets trumped by having a specific armor type and weapon type that you have if you want a hand cannon fine but it's going to be this type of hand cannon this type of hand cannon alone you want a sniper rifle good luck here's your sniper rifle yeah and it has like set perks or like let's say you okay, or no you perks at all Right, whatever whatever it is. Um, but just a game mode that has specific rules where it's specific weapons to that game mode and armor type. I personally think it would be cool, and I understand why Destiny might, or the Bungie, I should say, might not want to go that route. Because one of the things that they've always wanted to do, which we've mentioned on this show many times, is they want... PvP and PvP, I'm sorry, PvP and PvE to be an extension of your character. You bring in your weapons, you become powerful, you become legend based on your ability to adapt and react to the situation and to be well-equipped. And that doesn't translate to a competitive scene. That just means that whoever's luckiest enough to get the best weapons will be able to use said weapons. Now, that's not to say that just because you have the best weapons and the best roles that you're going to always win. No, there is obviously skill involved. But with regards to certain weapons, there is a clear advantage to using said weapon over another one. And we've seen it time and time again. In Crucible, we see clever dragons because they are the most... They're the, the best pulse rifle to use for PvP. You, you, people will argue and say, oh, well, I use Grassman Lock. Okay, fine. Grassman Lock, Clever Dragon. The best shotgun to use in PvP right now is Matador or a Party Crasher or I forget the other one. It doesn't really matter, but that archetype of of shotgun. Sniper Rifle, you're looking at the mid-range sniper rifles or even the highest impact sniper rifles. Hand Cannons, you got your last words. You got your is lunas that type of archetype and they're almost identical with regards to the perks so we already have set weapons and set things going on with regards to, to crucible and i just think that if they really want to cater to the competitive community they need to create a competitive game mode where it is a specific weapon to that game mode and that if you want a hand cannon it's going to be this type of hand cannon 
And you can even, if you want, you could even make it so that you can select the fire rate and 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 it adjusts to accommodate the impact or whatever. But it is specific to that mode. It'll have, for example, like you said, no perks on it. But it, it, it'll be specific to that game mode and it, it'll be balanced. Yeah, I mean, th- th- I understand what you're saying. And the thing with that is... Once again, it's it's not Destiny, and it, it, if that's your only competitive play, then it's not Destiny. And mm-hmm. if if they're gonna do that, then they have to go all in. They have to make it so essentially you have Destiny for PVE, and then for PvP, the Crucible, you essentially have Call of Duty, where you have set guns that you unlock at certain levels, and you got to work up to earn those levels to unlock those guns, and they're all the same, and that's what you use in Crucible. But I don't think people want that because Part of what makes Crucible fun is finding this super interesting gun that would make no sense to use in the Crucible and then going to the Crucible and using it. That's fun. And that's what Destiny is. And yes, part of this part of this comes back to the fact that this game as a whole isn't balanced. The Crucible isn't balanced. And there are a lot of things you can attribute that to. The biggest thing I attribute it to is the fact that we barely get balance patches. And when they do, they change 47,000 things instead of every single week tweaking one little thing a little bit. If something's too strong, tweak it. If something's too weak, tweak it. And you just do it over and over and over again, pushing a balanced meta. If something's coming out on top, you tweak that down a little bit. If something's not being used at all, you tweak that up a little bit. If you do consistent balance patches like that, that's where you get the the truly competitive games like Counter-Strike, Call of Duty. They both do it. And that's how they keep a a pretty balanced gameplay. Yeah, everything's always going to gravitate towards the best auto rifle, the best pulse rifle, because you can't prevent that from happening. There's no way to have every single thing be exactly the same. People will find which one has the millisecond better time and they'll use it. And you can't really prevent that. But that's okay. If you can get it to the point where everybody can use at least one of every type of gun, one scout, one hand cannon, one auto rifle, one pulse, you've done a good job in my mind. And I think that's what they need to go towards. I don't think Destiny competitive play, Destiny professional gaming can be successful if it's not Destiny. And this rule set is the start of that competitive play being not Destiny, in my opinion. I mean, there's a lot I agree with there, and there's a lot I agree with the community um, that I would like to see. As I mentioned, I if they make it a separate game mode, that way you're not completely covering PvP in it. I can see it working. I, I, I completely agree with you. It would not be Destiny, or it would not feel like Destiny originally, but it would, like, you would have access to your supers and stuff, so... There's a sense of destiny, and people just like the way the game feels, and and I, I can't believe I'm saying it. I think people want a game mode that isn't destiny, and they want they want it because they know that this game feels right. There's just there's a reason why we're playing almost three years later. It feels great to play your characters, like even. At the very beginning, where you are unlocking your your perks and your weapons, the shooting feels great. the 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 double jump, the first time you unlock your double jump, feels great. 
the first time I ever unlocked the throwing knife and I threw it at a fallen's head and watched it like get stabbed right between his eyes. I was like, that feels great. That feels I like I feel powerful, like I'm I'm gaining levels. Like I'm it just feels like it feels like something I'd never controlled before. And it it feels like a continuation of what Halo was going to. And then, yes, you could say it's because of Bungie, but th- there's something more to it. It feels like a we're, it, you're, you're going down the path of Halo, and then you took a right turn to something different, and it and that's what Destiny's become. And at this, and you if you go too far to the left, you're kind of going back on the path of Halo. If you go too far to the right, you're going towards a path that might be a different game completely. So they're always there. It's a tough. It's a tough, tough thing. For whoever's working in Bungie, at Bungie, with regards to PvP, because you're never going to develop a mode that is perfect for absolutely everybody. So the best thing to do is to offer many different game modes. And the opportunity to select your game type. I just think that they need to add more options to um, the private matches. That's just me personally. And make it so that there is a crucible, quote-unquote crucible armor set that is specific to a game mode and a crucible weapon set that is specific to a game mode. That way, if you want your balanced gameplay, you go there. Um, But that's just our opinions. I know that there's going to be many different views, many different thoughts on this matter. Crucible is by far the most polarizing thing with regards to this game. We can argue about a lot of different things, and we're all right in some way, shape, or form. There's just never the absolute correct answer, and I, I'm my hats off to the people over there, at Bungie, who, who balance or try their best to balance this game because it is the one of the hardest things. To do when you have such a successful game like this, and you want to satisfy as many people as possible, but let's go ahead and move on to the next topic. It's going to be a very quick one: Iron Banner Clash from January seventeenth to the twenty-third. What we're fighting for is sidearms and rockets. Are we going to be playing a lot of Clash or Iron Banner Clash? I should say. No. Wait, what? Yeah, no, not really. I, I don't have I don't have drive to play it. It's I'm I have four hundred everything times seventy two. My vault's completely packed with stuff, all of it at four hundred because I'd been playing so much. I have a sidearm, I have a great rocket, um, I have great chest armor and arms. Um there's just at this point they need to change Iron Banner to make me wanna play it because I have a bunch of other games I'm playing right now and Iron Banner doesn't draw me back like it used to, especially because I know it's just going to be an annoying lag fest with shotgunners running at me. What about you, Jordan? What are you... you, Is Iron Banner... I thought he was going to say more. Um, Yeah, I'll probably play a bunch. I I sort of want a sidearm. I, I don't think I got one to drop yet, so I'll at least play through with one character and uh see how i feel after that um i probably won't get to play too much for the weekend so 
usually when I get a couple days where I'm not playing, I get energized to play again. So I'll see myself playing for a couple days. Um, but yeah, I sort of agree. Like the amount of loot that we have is ridiculous and it gets pretty frustrating in there with all the lag, the red bars, despite the, uh, the, the, the current, uh, state of the matchmaking. So, or the supposed state. <laughs> so yeah, a couple days and that's, that'll be it for me. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I haven't been, I, I play them. I play Iron Banner, but I gotta be honest, as you guys mentioned, there's no incentive and in, in, I want them there's, 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 it's really hard because there's there's not much that they can do at this point in time. Iron Banner is what it is and it's a small little event to get you guys going for a week to get excited and I know for, for a lot of us there's not much reason for us to play Iron Banner but I know tons of people who will be coming back because they it's a end game activity that they can do solo. I, I mean, Iron Banner Clash, it's not like Rift. It's not where you're running into, if you run into a group of six and you're the, you're a lone player that you're you're at a, at a very big disadvantage. You are going in there, Clash, no objective, just kill. And your skills... Chances are, if you can outgun people, you're going to win that match. So, there's not much to it. You get your rewards, you, you get out, and you're done. But I think that's that's kind of what we were talking, or I was talking about the, the past couple weeks, where that's why I want them to change strikes. I, I don't want it to be a rush in, get your reward, and go. And I know that that's how a lot of people treat this game right now, but that doesn't lead to... That doesn't lead to great memories and thoughts about the game. That just leads to I am item whoring, and that's where we're at right now. Um, as I mentioned before, one, one of the cool things about ESO is you'll get into a dungeon and it takes 15, 20 minutes. Um, just solid going back and forth, working with your team to take down a boss, figure out its mechanic, and and, and really... Put some time in there, and, and that's what I want to see with regards to the game. And when it comes to Iron Banner, it, it just feels like people rush in, complete their matches, get their rewards, and then they're out. They complete their bounties. It's now reaching level 5 doesn't mean much. And with regards to the weapons that they're providing, sidearms and rockets, sidearms, they're just not competitive enough. I'm not saying that you can't be successful with them. But they're not as successful or as effective as, say, a sniper rifle or a shotgun. So, it's an okay weapon. Rocket launcher is an okay weapon. You're only going to have five per rocket, uh, per per maximum loaded gun. Uh, rocket launcher. Four, I'm sorry, four rockets, and then you got to get more ammo. So it's it's a definitely a PvP weapon, not a PVE. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm really I'm struggling to come up with a lot of words for Iron Banner Clash. It's not that I hate the mode. I, I just don't think it's there's not much to entice me and a lot of other players who are at that 400 or even even players that aren't even at 400 that are close enough. They're they'll they'll probably play it to get to that final piece to to get 400. But I don't think it's it's there's much not much there for, even for those players. 
So I just think we're at we're squeezing the last bit of juice here, guys. We're squeezing that last bit of juice for Destiny, and I am really hoping that this will be my this will be our final thoughts. Uh, there's not much beyond that that we have with regards to this podcast, but. I really hope that with regards to the upcoming Crimson Days and April update, whatever they are, that they inject something new to the game that's not just remade strikes or remade raids. I know everybody's really excited for that, but are you really excited to do something that you did several years ago? I I just don't think that there's not... There's not much there. There's just... We're really scraping at the bottom of the barrel for content. There's plenty of great games out there. And, and, and I know that you're listening to this podcast for for information and conversation about Destiny. But I think that people kind of need to take a step back and say, you know what? Destiny will be here. It'll be here months from now. We'll get a new version of Destiny. We're going to get plenty of updates. I think people need to take a step back, try other games out. And the reason that I want them to try other games out is for the reason that we did the past two podcasts, is to get ideas for the game. Because when the community is informed or experiences things from other games that gives them excitement and joy and pleasure, they'll then go back to the to the people at Bungie and say, look, I did this in this game. This was a cool idea. Did you ever think about doing a version of this? Because I think that it would mesh well with A, B, and C. And that's how different game modes are created. Horde mode didn't come out um, because it was they did the same thing. They they took ideas from other games. They took ideas from other game modes and and just did their own version of it. For example, in Gears of War. And you have Firefight and Halo, which is their version of Horde mode. And and I hope they do a Destiny version. And, and I just think there's so much more that we can get from other games that when we come back to Destiny, we can appreciate it more. And we can start con- uh, conversations about this game that give us more insight into who we are, the type of gamer that we are, and what we would like to see in the future of this game. That's that's my final thoughts with regard to this game uh, to this conversation. I think I've said all I need to say on it. Yeah, same. You know, I, 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 I I'll reiterate what Jorge just said. Um, we are a Destiny podcast, but we do encourage people to play other games. Uh, personally, I love Destiny, but I love playing other games and. It, it proves how much I love Destiny because when I play other games, I am constantly thinking of how this could make Destiny better. When I encounter something in a game that I'm playing and I love it, I think, wow, this would be cool if Destiny did something like this. So, you know, go play those other games, come up with ideas, and then email them to us and we'll talk about them. (laughs) (laughs) All right, David, why don't you go ahead and wrap this bad boy up? Well, as always, we want to thank you all for listening to In Orbit, let you know we are available on a ton of platforms, so please make sure you're spreading the word. The best way to do this is to share In Orbit with your friends. 
We are on SoundCloud. We are on iTunes. We are on Overcast for iOS, Google Play Music, Stitcher Smart Radio, Player.fm, Pocket Casts, and we also have an RSS feed. The links to each are available on Mash Those Buttons website at www.mashthosebuttons.com. Make sure to stay tuned after the show to hear what's coming this week on Masters Buttons Network. Make sure to check out the other shows on Masters Buttons Network at mastersbuttons.com slash shows to see all of our podcasts. As Jorge said at the beginning of the show, Sit Rep Radio had a great episode this week. Please make sure to check that one out. For any questions regarding scheduling, check mastersbuttons.com slash schedule for all scheduling details. All right, and you can check us out on twitter.com slash MTB site, facebook.com slash mash shows buttons, youtube.com slash mash shows buttons. David, where can people find you at? You can find me on Twitter at DS underscore Bolt and streaming on Twitch, twitch.tv slash DS Bolt. No spaces, no underscores. And Jordan, where can people find you at? You can find me streaming on Twitch. Uh, I am Tbot, I A M. T-E-E-B-O-T and on Twitch at I-M underscore T-Bot. And as always, you can find me on all the different social network sites and gaming screen names at GoToNRG on all locations. As I mentioned, make sure that you're contacting us with questions to inorbitpodcast at gmail.com. My prior events are not a memory. It is momentum. It advances, leads, and controls points and directs, shapes and forms. I may not enjoy what lies in front of me, but as in any story, the past needs resolution. We are the authors, the finishers of our fate. What is in my past is my prologue, and what is in my future is my destiny. On behalf of the entire In Orbit team, David, Jordan, Jared, and myself, We thank you for listening to our show, and as always, we'll see you on the next mission. Your destiny calls. Thank you for choosing a Mash Those Buttons podcast. Here's what's coming up this week on Mash Those Buttons. On Monday, January 16th, Jorge, David, and Jordan transmit in orbit. This week, finishing up their analysis on Destiny, discussing esports rule sets, and Iron Banner Clash. On Tuesday, January 17th, Nick goes it alone this week, teaching you about wild lore on the Torn and the Goblin. This week he discusses why he likes lore and some of his crazier theories. On Wednesday, January 18th, Jarrett, Mikey, and Bond bring you the latest in Overwatch and its community on Watchpoint Radio. This week discussing additional character balance, taking on Blizzard's Diva nerf defense, and what makes Overwatch esports boring to watch. On Friday, January 20th, Mike, Rob, and Luke bring you SitRep Radio, talking the latest in the division and the state of the game. To find more information on all of our shows, go to mashthosebuttons.com slash shows. And to see our full podcast schedule, visit mashthosebuttons.com slash schedule.